You're listening to the Creating a Brand Podcast. I am your host, Alex Sanfilippo. Today, we're talking about one of my favorite topics, productivity. In this episode, we're going to be talking to the money-saving mom herself, Crystal Payne. Crystal is the face behind MoneySavingMom.com and the podcast called The Crystal Payne Show. She is also the creator of Your Blogging Mentor. In addition, she does a ton of live video on just about every social media platform, and she's the author of multiple popular books. Needless to say, Crystal has a lot going on, but somehow she isn't lost in the busyness. In today's episode, Crystal shares 10 ways to boost your productivity. And productivity is something we all need more of. It's something we all need to be continuously learning about. And I believe that she is the best guest to talk about this. So get ready to take some serious notes on how to boost your productivity. Here is my interview with Crystal Payne. Crystal, thank you so much for being a guest today. I am so excited to be here. You are somebody that I got to meet at a conference last year, actually. And I was really excited to to share a stage with you because as soon as I saw you walk up, I'm like, that's Crystal Payne. That's money saving mom. I was really excited just to have that opportunity to, to meet you and, and get to connect with you a little bit. It was so great to connect with you too. And I'm excited that we get to have this further conversation. Definitely. Now, you know, it's funny, actually, I mentioned this to you offline as well, but yesterday I was at church and I mentioned to a group of people that I was going to be interviewing you tomorrow. And somebody next to me goes, is that money saving mom? Like as soon as they heard it, they knew exactly who you were. And I thought that was so cool that you've just built such a, a huge audience. Um, I'm over here in Jacksonville, Florida, you know, it's really cool just to hear people who know who you are and that you've had an impact in their lives. And it's because I think you do, you've done so much. You've left a huge impact in the internet. I mean, you have millions of followers across the board I and mean, you have a podcast, you have online courses, a blog, and you do so many different things, it appears, but I know that that's not necessarily the case for you. I'd love to get into ways that you've been more productive in your business and your life today. Yeah. And I think one of the important things is just to remind people that I've been doing this for a long time. (laughs) So you know how when somebody's first starting and they look at someone, they see you have all these different facets of your business and you're like, I've been at this for 15 years. So you add one thing at a time. It didn't all just happen overnight. I think that's such an important point. You just said 15 years is a long time to be doing this. And you talk about just doing one thing at a time. Would you recommend that to people today? Because I think people look at social media, especially, and they assume they need to be everywhere or their business needs to have so many different product lines before they can launch. What's your advice to somebody who's just getting started? Like, is that productive for people to do? I always tell people when it comes to social media, just start with one platform at a time because it can become so overwhelming and you can get stretched so thin. And then what happens is that you burn out. So I'd rather that you pick the platform that makes the most sense for your audience, but also that feels the best to you. Maybe you are already on Instagram, so you have a basic idea of how it works. Start there because you already know it. Get comfortable there. And then once you feel really comfortable and it's kind of becoming a rhythm and part of just a habit that you do, then you could add in Facebook or Pinterest or something else, but don't try to do it all from the beginning. And I still, to this day, follow that. In fact, my mantra is really focus and finish. And I try to just focus on one project and one learning thing at a time. So I'm learning something new, experimenting with something new. And then I have a project that I'm working on as well. And just doing that and actually finishing instead of just trying to start all these different things and then never finishing anything. Yeah, I think that's really important. Something that makes you seem productive, and I know that you are, is the fact that you're actually finishing something. So it's not that you're starting 20 things. That's just busy. But when you're able to finish something, that shows a productive person. Now, 
as somebody who has, again, millions of followers, a bunch of different products and things like that, how do you actually stay focused on one thing? How are you productive with that one thing that you're focused on at a time? How have you been able to manage everything that you have going on? Well, I think for me, it is, you know, adding a, that one thing at a time. So for instance, you know, I didn't start with Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram and Instagram stories and Facebook live and, you know, being all the places when I started blogging, there was no social media. So it was just blogs and comments and emails. So I learned that and I got really good at that. And then along came Facebook and I learned how to have a Facebook page. And then along came Pinterest and I learned how to do Pinterest. And then I added on Instagram and then I added on live video. And so it's been just slowly adding these things. And sometimes I realize this is great for our business, but it's not something that I need to be the one that is doing all the work for. So then for instance, right now, my Pinterest, that is pretty much all delegated. I'm over the overarching kind of strategy for that, but I don't have anything to do with the day-to-day of it. And my Facebook page, I have multiple people that help me. We have over 900,000 people that are on that Facebook page. So it's a very, very hopping, busy Facebook page that we post to probably at least 30 times a day. So I'm more focusing on, I go in there and I look at the comments. I will go and post a content piece that I've written that is something personal to me. If um, I have one of those um, on a certain day and then I do Facebook lives, but otherwise I have people who are helping with that. So Instagram right now is really the only place when it comes to social media that I am the one who does all of everything on Instagram for right now. And that's something that's really life-giving to me. It's also kind of a newer social media that we're still just learning and experimenting with. And I feel like me having my face there and being very involved there is something that gives us great return on investment. That's great. And when do you know that it's time to delegate something? When have you made that decision saying, okay, I no longer need to be the one who's doing all of this anymore? How have you made that decision or in your mind? For me, the biggest thing is, can I financially justify it? Um, because money saving mom, <laughs> money saving right. mom, hello. I am one of the most careful and cautious with my money people. And so I always make sure that the business is growing significantly ahead. The income grows significantly ahead of the expenses. So if I can't justify hiring on someone to help with it, then I won't. Um, But when we get to the place where I can justify that, and I feel like it's something that I don't need to have my face or my hand in, sometimes bringing on someone they are actually a lot better than me. I think of the woman who's running my Pinterest right now. She's so much more strategic and she loves Pinterest so much more than I do. And so bringing on someone that has that that gifting and that skill set. Now I will say, I highly recommend that you learn how to do it yourself first before hiring on someone that has, you know, they say they're a social media expert or something. I'm always like, make sure you know how to do it first, because if you don't, it's really hard to hire someone and know if they're doing a good job. If you don't really have a clue how it actually works. I couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm a person that loves to learn new things. So I've always been that guy who's like, I want to figure this out first. I might not do it forever, but I want to at least have a good understanding of it. Because like you're saying, if you don't really know how it works, someone could be not doing a great job and you wouldn't have any idea. And that's really important in your business and your life when you're delegating anything to make sure that, hey, I do a good base understanding of this, but this is what I'm going to delegate. And I can actually kind of, I can see the progress and the growth of it. 
I think you can also appreciate their work more when you know how much work goes into it. And so with Pinterest for the longest time, I was the one who was doing it and I was really learning all these things about it. But now it doesn't need my hands in it, but I can still appreciate and be excited about the progress and know that this takes a lot of effort. This isn't something that just happens. You flip a switch. No, it's a lot of strategy and effort to make it be successful. That's a good point because you appreciate people more as well. Like you obviously appreciate the fact the person who's running that for you is doing a good job. You wouldn't know that otherwise. It can be very demanding when it's not realistic. So I think that's a, a great side point there. I really like that. So when I first met you, the first thing I did is I looked you up on social media and I realized in my mind, the first thing I said is like, man, Crystal does everything. Like she crushes all of this. But then I heard you say that you don't do a lot of things and you keep everything simple. I'd love for you to explain what that means to somebody who, again, I'm an outsider looking at it, what you're doing. I'm like, man, you're doing everything. But what do you mean by you don't do a lot of things, you keep it simple? Well, I think one of my giftings is being able to take a big picture idea and break it down into small bite-sized pieces. And, and I've realized that that is how I'm wired. And so for the longest time, I wished I was wired differently. I wished I was someone who could write these beautiful posts that were just poetic and made everybody, you know, just ooh and ah over it. That's not my gifting. But I can take a big picture concept and I can break it down into bite-sized pieces. And so doing that with my life and with the business has been so beneficial. And so for me, one of those things is starting my day every day with a prioritized list. And so not only thinking of what is our big rock for this week, you know, what is that big goal that we want to accomplish that if nothing else gets done this week, but we finish this project, it will be a successful week. And so I start with that and I write my prioritized list for the day and I call it a time blocked to-do list, which is I literally put time blocks for every single thing of my day. Now I add in some margin and some wiggle room because I've got three kids, I have one on the way. And so it's like, you know, there's a lot of other things in my life that I can't predict, but certain hours of my day, I know that I am going to be able to focus on business stuff. And so when I have those hours, I want to use them well. I don't just want to open up the computer and be like, oh, there's emails to answer. Oh, there's comments to answer. Oh, this is a problem. This is a fire I need to put out. And then pretty soon I have just run around in circles all day and I don't have anything to show for it. So a time block to-do list really helps me that I'm prioritizing the most important things first. And I'm really looking at that list during my business time and really just kind of working down the list. Even if I don't do it perfectly in line with those time blocks, I'm going to get a lot more done than if I just started my day without a plan. Something you mentioned there is kind of just getting straight into the busyness of the day. And I think that many people's just reaction to life is, okay, I should check my email right when I get started, or I should check my my social media. How have you kind of, just think about email is the main one for me, because that's been, that's a lot of time. How have you kind of, uh, as I've heard you put it before, tame the email monster? How have you been able to do that? One of the things for me is not having email on my phone. That has been huge for me. At any time that I think, you know, I think I'm doing really well. I should, I can put it back on my phone. I'll be fine. No, because <laughs> what happens is first thing in the morning, I'm looking at my email and then my brain starts going to all the problems I need to solve, all the issues. Someone's upset about something. There's something that it feels like it's just a fire that needs to be put out right away. And I can't focus on 
taking care of myself in the morning and taking care of my family, which when I wake up in the morning, those are my priorities. And so I really try to start my day with gratitude, with exercise. Um, I'm spending time reading things that are really helping just kind of get me in a good frame of mind for the day and then also praying over my day. So starting that and then spending time with my kids and my husband, that's my priority. So if email is not on my phone, then email doesn't get pulled up until I open up my computer, which usually doesn't happen until I start my work day. So it allows me to have that breathing room to be able to just focus on getting a great foundation set for the day. So then I can, when I'm opening up my email, it doesn't feel so overwhelming and it's not just cluttering up my mind. Yeah. And in in theory, I love the idea and it's something that I've been able to implement in my life. However, it's really difficult for a lot of people. Like people really struggle with that. It's kind of like almost creates anxiety if you're like, oh, I haven't seen what's going on today. What's your advice to somebody who's struggling with that? And have you ever had that struggle yourself? You know, I have had a lot of struggles. Usually all the successes are because of a pile of failures that I'm standing on. And so (laughs) when it comes to email, that is absolutely what it's been for me of just realizing it was almost an addiction for me. Like it was, it was not only that, but it was a, me being a control freak that I felt like I needed to always be knowing what was going on and feeling like if I wasn't super involved and checking it constantly, something was going to happen that was terrible. You know, the world was going to come to an end, which never happens. Um, And so just realizing that, you know, my email can actually wait. And there has been nothing that has been irreversible that has happened for me to wait a few hours to not check my email. And so I would just challenge people. Um, I've had the same thing when it comes to checking my stats, like, you know, how many people are visiting my site and what our income numbers are and all that, where I can get almost this addiction to it, where my happiness or my joy comes from those numbers or my stress comes from those numbers. And so really weaning myself off of looking at those numbers and just taking a step back and being like what really matters? What's really going to matter in 25 years from now? And I try to live my life according to that and thinking of in 25 years from now, what am I going to wish that I'd spent my days doing? And so when it comes to email, I think, you know, it, it might need to be that you put some parameters in place. Um, I've even had some times where my husband has put like parameters on things where he had the password because I was just kind of obsessively checking things. And so he had to kind of give me that permission to be able to get on so that I could wean myself off of that. So it might mean that you need to have some accountability in place or you need to have something set up so that it shuts off after a certain amount of time, or you can't check it during certain hours just to develop that habit and that muscle of becoming more self-disciplined. Man, you, you had a lot of great points right there. That is absolutely solid. I think it's so important for people to give this a shot as you're kind of just challenging all of us to, to try it and see what happens as a result. Because really looking at email, looking at your analytics and, and your numbers, if you will, that doesn't lead to a productive life. And at the end of it, you're not going to be like, well, I remember that day back in 2020 when I just had great numbers, you know, great stats, or, you know, I got to inbox zero uh, every day for a few months. That isn't something you're going to look back and, and remember as part of your legacy. 
Yes. Well, and I think also when it comes to email, having a good system can really help. And so for me, my email inbox is in a way my to-do list, but I come up with a system so that I'm really processing emails quickly. So it's it's not uncommon that I'm getting, you know, three to 500 emails a day. And so learning to process those really quickly and um, being able to I have folders where it's an urgent folder or something that doesn't need to be you know, a non-urgent folder and being able to put them there and then process as much as I can during my email time. But then also knowing that if I don't get to all of them, it's going to be okay. People can wait. I can wait. And my family and my real life and having breathing room and margin is what is most important. Absolutely. You just mentioned a lot of emails. You know, I don't get stressed out easily, but the thought of that, I was just thinking for a moment, I'm like, I'd have to re-strategize my entire way of doing emails if I was getting that many a day. That is absolutely, uh, that's a lot. It's great that you've found a system that works for it. I think that that's really impressive because for me, I get less than 100 a day right now, but I'm able to do something kind of similar to what you're talking about is categorize it. And then at the end of the day, remember, I can go to sleep tonight and tomorrow they will still be there. The world is still spinning. I think that's really important for people to remember. Yes. And for me, you know, it's taken time and sometimes I have to change it up at certain times. I was so such a fanatic about having inbox zero. And at this season of my life, I've just had to realize that is just not realistic. And so I focus on processing the emails that are you know urgent and need to be processed and then just setting the others aside and then trying to have at least a few time blocks in the week where I really sit down and I spend an hour or two processing through all of the emails. And I try that within every week or two, I am down to inbox zero, but to know that inbox zero is not the be all end all. Right. It's okay. It's Love okay it. if you don't have it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it goes back to our whole main point here, being productive, right? Just having inbox zero or having all of your notifications checked on social media doesn't mean that you're being productive. It just means you're, you're getting the day-to-day done. Creating a brand just launched something new for you. We released 15 online courses on our website, six of which are free and require no registration. Our courses cover a wide range of topics from blogging to podcasting, winning at networking, personal development, and so much more. Ultimately, each course is designed to help you succeed while saving you time and money. I want to challenge you to enroll in one of these courses today. Please visit creatingabrand.com slash courses to get started. In addition, if you enroll in one of our premium courses, you'll receive free access to all current and future courses, plus a membership to the Creating a Brand community where you can connect directly with me and with other entrepreneurs. If you're ready to take the next step in your life or in business, please visit creatingabrand.com slash courses and enroll today. I've also heard you say that a successful day begins the night before, which is something I completely agree with. I'd love to hear how you've also managed your, your evenings because at some point you decide work is done. I've, I've been productive enough today. I'm shutting it down. What does that look like for you? You know, every day is a little bit different because my kids are 14, 12, and 10 now. And so we have a lot of evening activities typically. And um, so like this week, I think there's one night that we were home. Um, so, and that's, that's fairly typical. And so every day is going to be a little bit different. That's why I love the time block to do list because it allows me to know, okay, today 
I'm going to need to shut things down at four or um, even two 30 sometimes. And then other days it's like, no, I know that I can work until five or five 30. And so kind of putting that in there and planning that. And then in my evenings, I try to keep them very, very wide open just to be with my family, for us to have dinner, for us to go and do whatever our evening activities are for me to be able to show up to my kids activities and all of that. And then um, when I come home, we kind of try to make sure that things are ready for the morning. So, you know, backpacks are ready and clothes are ready and lunches are packed. And, you know, what we need to get out the door in the morning is ready. And then for me, um, then it's sitting down and writing my to-do list for the next day. That's kind of the last thing that I do usually before I go to bed. And so I use Google Calendar kind of to brain dump all of everything that I ever think of in my head. And then I, so I just look at my Google Calendar for the next day. I see what task I have that I want to do, what task I have that I need to do. And then I make my time block to do list based upon that. And the thing that I love about this is then I go to bed and my brain is not spinning because Mm -hmm. it's easy to go to bed and to feel like there's so much to do tomorrow. Um, you know, I don't know how it's all going to happen, but when I have it all mapped out and it's like, Oh, tomorrow is doable. And the thing is when you write in the time blocks where you realize I only have 24 hours. So you're not trying to cram 36 hours worth of work into a day because you see what is realistic. So a lot of times, you know, as I get to three or four in the afternoon, I'm realizing, well, I was hoping to get to those things, but those aren't the highest priority. So they're just going to have to be bumped to the next day and that's okay. And so it just helps me to be able to start the day then with a plan and knowing that my day is doable. Yeah, that that's so important. I've lived my life that way for the last few years. But before I did that, I went to bed stressed every night thinking about the next day, the unlimited tasks that had to get done. And it's because if you're not intentional with your calendar, with your time, then you're just kind of getting run by your time, if you will. So it's kind of just putting out fires all the time. I love that you end your day that way, because I've found as well, you get a better night's sleep when you're actually really intentional with that calendar. And you mentioned Google Calendar. How how do you organize all this with your time blocks? Is it What kind of tools are you using to do this? Um, I'm very old fashioned. So I disappoint a lot of tech savvy people. (laughs) Here we go. What do you have? What planners do you use? I'm like, I have a very simple, cheap notebook and you can get one at the Dollar Tree and I use Google Calendar and it's free. (laughs) But I have used Google Calendar for quite, I don't even know how many years, but I've just gotten where I just love it so much. But if you looked at my Google Calendar, some people would probably hyperventilate because it looks kind of crazy because I put any task that comes to my head, I put it as an all day event. So if it's somebody that I need to call, if it's that my kid needs to get a gift for an upcoming birthday, if it's that I need to remember that I, you know, have this advertising thing that I need to get turned into a brand. If it's some email newsletter that I need to get sent out, if it's a launch, whatever it is, it's all in my Google calendar. And so I put it as all day task, unless it has a specific time. And then obviously I put that as a specific time on my day. And so every day there are typically somewhere between, I would say 10 to 15 all day tasks that are things that need to be put into my um, time block to-do list. And I just kind of look at that, that list as I'm writing my time block to-do list. So I look at the list on Google calendar of those all day tasks. And then I just, you know, kind of see, okay, which one is the biggest priority? And that goes first on my list. And I just kind of go down and sometimes, you know, like I said, I'll get to three or four in the afternoon and I'll realize, okay, 
I'm not going to have time to do all those things. The thing I love about Google Calendar is I can just, you know, drag and drop it to another day. So I just look at what other day, you know, how, when does I, when do I have to get this done by? And I'll just drag and drop it to another day that doesn't already have a lot on it. Crystal, I have to say, I love the way that you do this using your, your Dollar Tree notepad and your Google Calendar in a very, um, unique way, I'll say. I love that you do it this way. And here's why, because there's no one tool that works for anybody. So for me, I use a Google Calendar as well. I have a notepad on my iPhone that has checkboxes. And then I have a physical notepad that's just, I write my things down and I check them off. And that's the way it works for me. And people are like, man, why don't you use this tool or try this tool or that one? And it's great to hear someone as successful as you who also has found their own way that works for them. So to the, the audience, find what works for you and do it. Don't say, okay, I have to do this because Crystal's doing this or Alex has this little notepad, so I need to do it this way. You've got to find what works for your brain because each of us has a very different mind. We process information differently. Uh, Crystal, I'll be real. If I saw my Google Calendar with 15 all-day events, that would freak me out. <laughs> but it works good for you. So I think it's really important for everyone to remember. It's unique. It's to you. Whatever works for you, that's what you have to be doing. Well, I think it's also recognizing your capacity level. So um, if you're familiar with the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram mm -hmm. 8, which typically they have a very high capacity. And so that's always been me. I get bored very, very easily. And so for me, you know, 10 or 15 all day tasks on there, you know, if we, if we get up in the 20 or 25 range, um, that starts to be like, okay, we're going to need right. to, we're going to need to cut some things. But I, it's just always been something that I'm able to juggle a lot and I enjoy that and it brings me life, but for other people that can bring a lot of stress. And so knowing yourself and knowing what works for you and knowing that level that you hit, that it becomes no longer life-giving, but life draining and being very cognizant of that. That's so important. And actually, this is a great transition to another question I want to talk to you about, which is, I've heard you say no a lot to a lot of things. I would like to talk about saying no often. What does that mean in your life? And what would you recommend to other entrepreneurs and the Creating a Brand listener uh, to say no to? I think, you know, really starting with what are your priorities for your business? And we talked about if you have that one, one area that you're trying to focus and finish, well, then that's going to mean that you're going to say no to a lot of other things so that you can say yes to that one thing. And so every opportunity that comes in, which every day there, are, I don't know, probably somewhere in the vicinity of 10 to 30 different opportunities for, you know, to be on a podcast or to write an article or to be interviewed for something or to go to an event or um, something like that. And just having to weigh those in light of what are my priorities right now. And so for instance, um, 2020, I am having a baby and writing a book. And those are my big priorities. That is going, those are just going to be my two big goals for the year. And so I'm going to say no to a lot of things because I know that I've already decided what I'm going to say yes to. And that gives me the freedom to be like, you know what? That is going to take me away from being able to do a great job of writing my book in the first half of the year. And it's also going to do, um, you know, it's going to take me away from being able to rest and have some maternity leave after the baby comes. And so just pre-deciding what your priorities are allows you to much more easily say no. Now, I say that and it sounds so easy breezy, but I can tell you that. So in the end of 2015, my um, third book came out and I was completely and utterly exhausted at that point. And I was stretched way too thin. I'd said yes to so many different things. And I realized that I had no joy in my life. Um, someone actually asked me over coffee, um, Crystal, what are you excited about right now? 
And I said, truthfully, I sat there and I sat there and I was like, nothing. And I realized that I've just, the business and what I was doing, I had lost my passion. Um, I was just surviving. And that was the last place that I wanted to be in. And I'm like, I don't want to do this for 20 years. I don't want to do this for 20 months or 20 minutes. Like something needs to change. And so in 2016, I declared it my year of rest. And I basically said no to anything that wasn't an absolute essential when it came to business stuff. And also when it came to life and personal stuff. And it took me probably four to five months to really untangle all the yeses I had said yes to and do all those commitments and get to the place where about April or May, I started to really have breathing room in my life. And it was this beautiful place of realizing, oh, I actually can choose. I get to choose what do I want to invest my life in? And so at that point, I made a lot of changes and chose to invest a lot more in our community and a lot less in the business and a lot more in my home and my family. And it's allowed me to really get to this sweet spot of being able to love what I do work-wise, but also being able to shut it off and love what I do in our home and our community. And I'm just, I'm in a much healthier place for that. And so I think the it was really hard at first to start saying no, to come up with a reason for saying no to all these different things. I I felt guilt. I felt obligation. But when I got to that place of saying no enough that I actually had space to be able to decide what I wanted to say yes to, it was so rewarding that it was so worth it that I feel like now it's a lot easier for me to say no. I love that story. You know, I think that a lot of people that are listening to this, if you're somebody who has trouble saying no, I I come from a background where that was a real struggle for me as well. I I wasn't good at it because I wanted to help people. But here's the deal, like Crystal's saying, if we really figure out what our purpose is, like what we're really passionate about, what we're doing in the world, we're doing the world a disfavor by saying yes to all the small things that people ask of us instead of staying focused on our bigger vision, which have a much larger long-term impact. And when I had that mindset shift, it helped me begin to say no and do the same thing that Crystal's talking about because Honestly, it's hard to be productive if you're just saying yes to everything that comes in front of you. Yeah, I think it's almost impossible to be productive if you're saying yes to I mean, for me, I look at that season of my life and I've had multiple seasons like that. I actually wrote a book that came out in 2014 that was called Say Goodbye to Survival Mode. Like, you know, I have to keep relearning this lesson. And so, but now I've gotten better about the warning signs. Like, what are those warning signs? How do I feel when I'm starting to be overextended and then saying, okay, something's got to change. Just recently, I was feeling like I'm starting to feel overextended. This is not okay. And so my husband and I sat down and we talked about, you know, what does this look like? And we decided that I needed more offline time. And so just really prioritizing that by, I said, I'm going to take Sundays off and um, just really be able to rest on Sundays. And that has been so good for my soul. And I realized that I'm so much more productive because of taking that time to rest. And it feels like it's, you know, it's counterintuitive. Like you, so you take Sundays off and you just literally a lot of Sundays because I've been in my pregnancy where I just, I will stay in bed and I will read and I'll hang out with my family. And I just, it feels like I'm quote unquote doing nothing. And yet then the rest of the week, I have so much more energy because I took that time to refuel. It's so important. Honestly, that goes down to our to our DNA and to our the way that we're built and designed. We're designed to rest. And taking that day off, I've found for my life as well, has been what has helped me be more productive than anything else. Because you feel like, you know, a lot of the listeners like me, we have nine to five jobs. We also have a brand that we're creating for ourselves, some sort of business. 
And you kind of look at the weekend as, oh, I can get two days, two full days of working. But the truth is, I found that I'm more productive if I take one of those two days off for some reason. Can't even really describe, explain it, really. We need a scientist on here to get into that side of things. But the truth is, taking that rest is so helpful. And I found that to be true in my life as well. Yes, absolutely. There's a book that I read earlier this year by um, Dr. Sandra Dalton Smith called Sacred Rest. And one of the things that I love about that book is she talks about the different types of rest, because I think a lot of times we get in our head that rest equals sleep or chilling out. And um, she talks about how we need to have different types of rest, like creative rest, where we're creating and social rest, where we're spending time with um, people who are life-giving to us. And so recognizing that has been really helpful for me as well to say, okay, refueling for me is not just making sure I'm getting enough sleep. I also need to make sure that I am having those restful outlets in my life of time with friends who get are life-giving to me and time for me to just be creative when I'm not on any sort of deadline and things like that. And that's really helped me to, I feel like, be more, live more wholeheartedly as a person and healthfully because it's not just I'm getting sleep and then I'm working, but it's like I have this more holistic approach to my life. I love it. We'll have a link to that book in the show notes. I'm definitely going to pick up a copy for myself. I've not read that one. So thank you for that. So in closing this episode, I want to talk about kind of this this big point here in productivity, which is taking action. I know it's something that you firmly believe in. I'd love to hear your thoughts on taking action. You know, I think it's so easy for people to get paralyzed by decision-making, to get paralyzed by feeling like I'm not going to be able to do it perfectly to get paralyzed by the fear of failure. And for me, I look back on my life and I think one of the reasons that I am where I am today is because I've jumped out a lot of times and just done something. And I always encourage people um, because with one of my sites, your blogging mentor, I'm teaching people how to make a part-time to full-time income from blogging. And I talk to so many different people who they're scared. They're like, well, I don't have the perfect blog name, or I don't have money to set up a really great blog right now, or, you know, I can't hire a designer. I can't find a designer. And, and they give all these excuses. And I always just say, just start, just start where you are, do what you can do with what you've got, where you are. And sure, you're going to make some mistakes, but guess what? You're going to learn so much from those mistakes. Like I talked about how my successes are from standing on a pile of failures. And so jumping out and making mistakes and learning from those, instead of being like, I failed, I'm a failure. It's like, no, I made a mistake so I get to learn from it so I can do better the next time. And so I just really encourage people, just start. What is the next right thing that you can do that's going to help you get a little bit closer to where you want to be in five years from now? Just start. Go do that thing. I love it. That's a very motivational way to end this episode. Just find that one thing and it's the biggest point in productivity. Take action on it. Start going after it. Crystal, thank you so much for being a guest today. This was a great conversation. I really appreciate all the wisdom and just the experience of 15 years that you've shared with us. Thank you so much for allowing me to talk about one of my favorite topics. Crystal is a productivity machine. I learned so much from her during this conversation. I hope that you did as well. I took notes on 10 different main points that she shared during this episode. So be sure to check the show notes as I list each of those out for you. Those are the 10 productivity boosters from Crystal Payne. Now, being productive, not busy, is one of the best things that you can do for your life and for your business. Busyness is not productivity. Getting things done just to get them done is meaningless. 
It doesn't actually have any value. And truthfully, it's a vicious cycle. It will never end. The busyness will always continue. It's when we're doing the things that drive the needle forward, that get us closer to our goal or closer to our purpose. That's when it becomes true productivity, no longer busyness. So we have to make sure we get these things right. I'm actually so passionate about this topic that this week in the Creating a Brand community, we're going to be sharing our own unique perspectives and tips for being more productive and getting closer and closer to our goal and to our purpose. And I'm personally really excited to just chat with everyone in the community and figure out how I can continue to learn and grow from each of you. Crystal, thank you again for being a guest and sharing your experience of being a productive, highly successful entrepreneur. You added mass amount of value today. So thank you again for that. For show notes from today's episode, visit creatingabrandpodcast.com. As always, thank you for listening. And I'm looking forward to bringing you another episode next week. 